and uh, beginning with verse number 21. I feel like the Lord wants to speak to us today, um, trying a couple new things today. Number one, playing the drums again, and number two, uh, out of necessity, I'm going to be preaching with no notes because my notes are stuck in my frozen computer. So we're going to be depending on my recall ability. Amen. Judges chapter number 16 and verse 21 says, But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house. Verse 22. Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Verse 23. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their God and to rejoice. For they said, Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. They wanted to rub it in his face a little bit and in the face of Jehovah. Verse 24. When the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass when their hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson, that he may take us, make us sport. They called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about three thousand men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. In other words, while they made fun of Samson. 28, and Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee. Strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up, of the one with his right hand and of the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the death which he slew at his, I'm sorry, so the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Then his brethren and all the house of his fathers came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtual in the burying place of Manoah, his father. And he judged Israel 20 years. But for special emphasis, verse 30, the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. The story of the great judge of Israel, Samson, one upon whom God had given great strength, who fought and secured victory for the children of Israel, many times by uh, killing many Philistines type of the enemy. And in his death, after he had been shamed, his power had been taken, his secret was out, 
and it seemed like all of Samson's feats were finished, there was still one more move left. And in his death, he slew more Philistines. He took, it, took control of more of the enemy than he did in all of his life. And I want to preach with the help of the Lord for just a few moments today on this subject. God still has one good move. God still has one good move. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and mercy to us. We thank you for the blessings that you've poured out upon us. God, you are great and greatly to be praised. Jesus, there is none like you, Lord. You are the first and the last. Jesus, you are the beginning and the ending. Lord, you are altogether lovely, Lord Jesus. And we praise and magnify and worship you, Lord God. We want to take time, Lord Jesus, to declare your greatness and your power. We want to take time to let it be known that you are the great and mighty God and there is no one who can compare to you. Jesus, we want to exalt you and magnify you. And in so doing, Lord, our problems and our difficulties and those situations that seem impossible possible will become smaller we thank you for what you've done lord god and what you're going to do and we give you praise in the name of jesus christ uh, and everybody said amen let's clap our hands to the lord while we're seated hallelujah jesus that is a miracle i don't know who did that but my notes just got delivered to me thank you lord praise the lord i don't even know who knew what my title my title was that was that's a miracle amen Praise the Lord. I like to play competitive games. I enjoy engaging in competition, uh, sitting over a game board or some kind of a game. I've never really fallen in love with video games. Perhaps it was because when I was a child, the video games were inferior to the games they play today. I was watching one of the young men from the church playing a little handheld video game, and I looked over at it. And my mind went back to my very first handheld video game, head-to-head -head football. And uh, in this game that I watched the child playing, there was precision. Uh, uh, everything was so beautifully done, and uh, all the uh, graphics were perfect and wonderful. And I remember when I played video games as a child, it was just a dot on a screen trying to sidestep other dots on the screen. Maybe that's why I don't like video games that much i also don't care for games of chance you know i'll play a game or two with you for sport just for laughs but uh, games of chance don't thrill me very much uh, how many have played uno before i played uno i remember playing that as a kid and i enjoyed it as a child when i got older i realized the only way you win this game is by chance there's absolutely no skill involved so with my competitive nature, I wanted to play games that required competitive skills and that got my juices flowing. Try to come up with a strategy, try to think critically. As a teenager, my dad taught me the game of chess and we would play one another. At first he beat me every time, but then I began to beat him from time to time. I also liked the game of, uh, uh, I forgot the name of the game that I like. The game, uh, what's the game I like where Sister Brown, 
the game, everybody knows the game I'm talking about where you make words on like a cr- Scrabble, yes. And uh, I like to say that very seldom am I beat at Scrabble. The awesome thing about Scrabble is if you're strategic, sometimes you can put one little square in there. And if you put it in the right spot, just one square. And my mother does this a lot when we play. She'll put one letter in there and come up with 60 points because of where it's strategically placed. It's not just a game of chance or luck of the draw, but there is strategy and critical thinking involved in this game. Now, one of the most interesting games is the game of chess because the game of chess is like a, a uh, small version of warfare. It's a microcosm of a battle where two sides are competing one against the other. And obviously the weaponry is not the modern weaponry of guns and tanks and missile launching locations, but it's old-fashioned pawns and rooks and horses, the king and queen and so forth. But in this very interesting and very strategic game, you compete to take the king on the other side of the board. How many like to play chess or have played chess before? Amen. It's a very interesting and competitive game. Now, there is a painting that illustrates the game of, of chess in a particular instance. And I want you to look at this in just a second, this painting as we pull it up. This is a painting that was in the Louvre for a while uh, in the famous place in uh, Paris. And uh, this particular painting, some have titled it Checkmate. Because on the one side of the checkboard, checkerboard, chessboard, is a man who has made a decision. On the other side is a type of the devil or Satan. The illustrator that painted this painting was using for his motivation a writer called, it's hard to pronounce, it's called Goethe from Germany, uh, one of the most famous literary figures in German history and his most famous work called Faust. Anybody heard of Faust before? This was a story, starts out in heaven. Satan begins to tempt the Lord, saying, in essence, here is this guy who is a servant to you, seems pretty committed. Let me go see if I can steal his commitment. Let me go see if I can somehow get him to turn against you. Kind of in the uh, frame of the story of Job. All of us remember the story of Job. And so through the process of the story, the devil makes a deal, or should I say Faust makes a deal with the devil to compete for the young man's soul. And in this particular illustration, some call it checkmate. This chess game is about to come to an end. The man on the right-hand side represents Faust, and you can tell by the expression on his face and the sadness in the face of the angel that he has made some decisions and some moves that have put him in peril, that have put him in a bad spot. And you can tell by the look of Satan on the other hand that uh, there is a sense that uh, victory is about to be won. It's called checkmate because it's illustrated those of you that know the game of chess, 
once your king has been cornered and you have no other move to make and you're about to go down in a blaze of glory, about to go down to defeat, the opponent will say, checkmate. Checkmate was the name of this illustration. There's a story about this painting. I've heard different versions of it, but they're basically the same. Is that while this painting was on display in the Louvre, one day there was an older gentleman, a Parisian, who was in there observing the artworks, and his attention was riveted to this. No doubt knowing a little bit of the story. He sat before it for a long time and looked at it and observed and watched. Then after several minutes of observation, he began to cry out right in the middle of the gallery. He began to cry out. Some say he cried out, it's a lie. It's a lie. Others say he cried out, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Because it's not checkmate. He observed that there was one move that was left where you switch the king out with the rook. Anybody that knows chess, you can do that little switcheroonie. And it would put him in position to take out the other king. And while for generations this painting had been referred to as checkmate, this old man who just happened to be the chess master the greatest chess player in the city of Paris, declared it's a lie. It's a lie because there is yet one more good move that's left. You can tell by the expression on this young man's face, all hope is gone, despair. I've made decisions. I've made mistakes and I'm about to go down. But somewhere there's somebody crying out, wait, don't give up yet. Don't give down yet. Don't lose out yet. Because there is still one more good move, amen, that is waiting for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, the point in the, of this illustration is that uh, Satan is working and endeavoring to kill and to steal and to destroy. The Bible lets us know that that is his job description. He wants to kill your faith. He wants to steal your hope. He wants to destroy your happiness, to destroy your home, to destroy your marriage. And ultimately, he wants to take from you your faith. And anybody who has made a decision to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to put their faith in the God of eternity, has engaged in a battle, if you would, has engaged in a competitive match against the wily foe called the devil, who will do everything that he can to try to steal from you your faith to put you in a position where you have to say I don't believe anymore I can't believe anymore to put you in a position where you know that the situation is not going to turn around and that there is no hope for tomorrow but even though the situation seems hopeless and even though sometimes we're faced with some difficult circumstances and some facts stacked against us and the devil would try to put pressure on a child 
child of God to give up and to quit and to realize that there's no need to fight on any longer. I've come to tell you today that it's not time to quit, that it's not time to give up because God always has one more good move. God always has one more thing that he can do, one more way that he can step in to make the devil look bad. Because as wily and wise and skilled as the devil is, all wisdom belongs to our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? See, it looked like the match was about over because it was dark in the middle of the day. There was a bloody body beat to a pulp hanging from a rugged cross. There was a mother that was crying. There were disciples that were heartbroken. See, they put all their hope on this man named Jesus. And they had believed that he was going to turn the world around and change their situation and change everything that the world was about. They had placed all of their hopes, all of their confidence, and all of their belief on this man named Jesus Christ. And now, with lungs filling up with fluid, he is gurgling as he breathes. His body is bereft of the life flow of blood and he's taking his final grasps of breath and somewhere in the spirit realm the evil powers and principalities were about to rejoice they were about to tune up and start the instruments because Jesus was taking his final breath and declaring it is finished somewhere disciples who had put their confidence in the hope of Jesus Christ were wiping away away tears and wondering now where is my life going to to go. Now what am I going to do with my future? Now I put all my confidence in Jesus. Said he was going to change the world and now he's dead on a cross. Yeah, the devil looked at it. No doubt he thought in his mind I've got him just where I want him. But all of us that know anything about Christianity realize that you can't always judge a book by its cover and you can't always tell by the by the things that you see what's happening behind the scene because somewhere in the midst of that time when Jesus was in a grave and his mother was crying and his disciples were mourning his demise. He made his way down to the depths of the earth and he procured from the enemy of our soul the keys of death and hell and the grave. I want to encourage somebody today. I want to let you know this morning that God always has one more good move. Never count Him out in your situation. Never count the God factor out in your difficulty. And whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that you're going through that makes you want to throw in the towel and quit, understand, before you lay the king down, God has one more good move. Come on, clap your hands and praise the Lord with me right now. Hallelujah. 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 Life is full of drama. Life is full of conflict. Life is a compilation of good days and bad days. Good reports and bad reports. Good feelings and bad feelings. People who determine to live for God are not exempt from bad days. 
people who decide that they're going to put Christ on the throne of their life are not exempt from the rain that falls on all. And some people have painted a picture of living for God that is a unclear or misleading representation of serving God. That somehow once you make a decision to live for the Lord and you put your trust in Jesus Christ, that you are ushered to a room and there you are allowed to lay back on a bed of roses and you're going to enjoy a life of tranquility and peace and perfection and blessing and all of these things for the remainder of your days. The problem is life still goes on. How many are glad for God's blessings? How many have seen God's blessings in your life? How many of you can say that even though you know that God has blessed your life, that you still have gone through difficulties since you gave your life to Jesus Christ? I wonder why that happens. I wonder why things don't get perfect. You see, our faith is not a finished product when we give our life to the Lord at an altar. It is a step, a beginning. That's why even though I'm saved, when I give my life to the Lord and receive the impartation of his blood or the application of his blood on my life uh, through baptism and water in the name of Jesus and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, all of this through faith, it is just a beginning. It is salvation at a beginning phase and a beginning stage. And there's another type of salvation that I'm striving for. And that is when I walk through the gates of heaven, when I walk through those gates of pearl and I hear the Lord say to me, well, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But between the beginning and the ending, between the start of my faith and the completion of my faith, there is a challenge. There is a battle. There is a competition between the forces of this world and the forces of evil trying to steal from me my faith, trying to steal from me my confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. And from time to time, our faith will be tested. From time to time, if we are honest, our faith may waver. But in those times of difficulty, when we feel like giving in, when it looks like all hope is gone, when it looks like there is no answer, I want to tell you today that God always has another move. God always has one last move. Hallelujah. And you know, sometimes you have to live for God even if you don't feel like it. You know what? Sometimes I come to church even when I don't feel like it. So well, you the pastor, you got to be here. Amen. <laughs> but faithful men and women of God come to church whether they feel like it or not. I don't feel a tremendous amount of faith in my spirit today. I think I'm going to lay in bed here and take six or seven donuts and see if that doesn't help something. Let's see if that makes things better. No, you got to get up, man. You got to put your clothes on. But I don't feel like putting my clothes on. Well, you didn't feel like going to work this week either, did you? But you did it anyway because you knew there was some value to be gained by getting up and going to work. Being faithful to the kingdom of God brings you God's favor like being faithful to work brings your boss's favor. Sometimes, hallelujah, praise God. That's not in my notes, but I feel the Holy Spirit directing my words today. We don't serve God because we feel like it. We serve God because He is the creator of the universe. Because we believe that all things consist in Him. And we believe that by serving Him, hallelujah, our destiny and our future and our purpose is going to be fulfilled. So I'm going to keep serving God whether I feel like it or not. (laughs) 
And what would life be like if I only ever did what I felt like doing? Man, I don't feel like being married today. <laughs> Come on now. I'm faithful to my wife whether I feel married or not. Whether I feel in love or not. But has been married a while. You know, sometimes you just don't feel those romantic, uh, overwhelming feelings. It's some honesty. I, I believe people got, should be open, you know, and be real. Let's not pretend like everything's always perfect. But you're the pastor and you've got the Holy Ghost. I mean, I know you guys just walk around on clouds over there in Glendora and just love one. You know what? Life is life for everybody. But it takes determination and heart. Come on now. And saying, you know what? I'm committed to this thing. The same is true in living for God, in serving God. Every day is not going to bring a report that's peachy. Every day I'm not going to wake up and feel like God's carrying me around on a pillow. But I'm going to wake up and I'm going to serve God when I got a sniffle. I'm going to wake up and serve God when I'm sick. I'm going to wake up and serve God when I feel that chemical depression. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to serve God regardless of what happens in my life. Why? Because I made up my mind that He is worthy of my praise. Come on, he's worthy. Clap your hands to him right now. See, we all, we all go through storms. The storms are just a part of life. But the thing I want to remind you people of is that in the midst of your storm, you've got somebody in the boat with you that your neighbor at work may not have. Remember that I just read the story. It's right up here. I'll read it to you. The story in scripture of the disciples on the boat in the storm. I believe brother Chris just made reference to it. And there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. The ship was full and he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, master, carest thou not that we perish? The point that's interesting in the story is the disciples are stressed out. The ship is going to sink. It's all going down. Everything is in, ending and all is lost. And in the meantime, they've got Jesus. Well, who's Jesus? Who's Jesus? He's the one that created everything. He's the one that says when you can blow now and when you can stop now. He's the one who says waves you can roll and waves you must stop. He's the one that has, the Bible says, all power in heaven and in earth. And he's asleep in the boat and you're stressed out that all is lost and it's about to go down. Saints of God, I want to remind you that we will face storms in life, but all you need to remember and keep at the forefront of your mind is no matter what comes, how hard the storm comes and how hard the waves beat and how full the boat gets and how much it looks like you're going to sink. Remember, remember, remember that Jesus is in your boat. 
boat. And whatever it is that I come against, he has the power. Whatever it is that I may face, he has the power. Financial difficulty, he's got the power. Sickness and disease, he's got the power. Despair and depression, he's got the power. There is nothing formed and nothing named that puts fear and intimidation into the heart of Jesus Christ. Because he's cool. He's got it all handled. He's got it all figured out. And he always has one more good move. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying it's not time to give up. It's not time to get discouraged. It's not time to back down. It's not time to quit. It's time to remember who it is that's with you on the boat. He'll be with you. The Bible says he would never leave you or forsake you. But he'd be with you all the way to the end. He's not going to leave you no matter what you go through. He's not going to leave you even though you made mistakes. Even though you took some wrong direction, He would never leave you or forsake you. Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. I will send another comforter in my name that He may dwell with you forever. When you received the Holy Ghost, it wasn't just goosebumps and speaking in tongues, but you got somebody in the boat with you through all the storms and difficulties of life. He said, I'm going to be your comfort. Oh, come on, praise Him right now. Oh, come on, praise Him right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God always has one more good move. Hallelujah. It's a friend of my wife's family, also a friend of the Winkle family, that uh, pastors, pastored a church for a number of years in Arizona. Pastor of the church that my father-in-law used to pastor in Prescott, Arizona. His name was Pastor Jimmy Pence. And uh, he received unfortunate news that uh, his body had been stricken with cancer. And the cancer that uh, he had was fatal, inoperable cancer. They did the treatments that they could for the time that they could till his body was so weak that he was essentially a walking dead man. They said treatments are now irrelevant, waste of time, waste of money. They'll kill you. So there's no hope. We're going to send you home. We're going to give you hospice care that will provide you comfort, but you're going to die. And I saw the picture of Brother Pence. Some of you have seen it as well. When they took him home and laid him on the chair and said, you're going to die. He looked like he was already dead. I promise you. The doctors gave up, sent him to hospice care. The report had been out. We'd been praying for him, many of us, for weeks, months. The answer hadn't come. We heard that he was going into hospice care. He said, God, your will be done. Guess what? Brother Pence is not dead. (laughs) In fact, I saw him recently. He's full of health and strength. And there is no cancer, not a trace of cancer in his body. 
You know why? Because God always has one more good move. And no matter what sickness or disease or despair tries to present to you, no matter what it looks like, hallelujah, there is an answer. God has an answer. Hallelujah. Brother Carlo, did you have cancer? What kind of cancer did you have? Last week, doctor told me I see something in my blood. At an appointment last Friday. Right there when I was laying down. You are clean. Come on, we serve a mighty God, a God that's able to do all things exceeding abundantly. Praise God. God always has one more good move. Amen. Sister, you remember you were depressed and discouraged because of all the lawyers and you didn't have a lawyer. He had all these lawyers and everything's going to up. But guess what? Mia has full custody of her boy after all of that. Don't you doubt for a minute that God has one last good move. See, we need to quit being so intimidated and fearful and stressed out. We need to understand that even though the storm does come, we wonder, why is the storm coming? I've been a good person. The storm's coming. But the storm comes on the just and the unjust. But God always has the power. There is no limitation. I'm not going to tell you that every time there's sickness that there's going to be a healing. I'm not going to tell you every time that there's difficulty, there's coming a fleet-footed answer. But I will tell you that whatever it is that you're facing, that God always has one more good move. Don't put your hand on the king yet. Don't lay him down yet. The battle's not over. Keep your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep your confidence and your trust in him. God always has one more good move. I made a call this morning just to get the facts on the story. I heard this story that there was a a man living in San Diego who, through a series of bad decisions, a set of bad circumstances, his marriage was destroyed. He lost his wife. He lost his children, lost his family. And then through the process of all this, he was falsely accused and convicted and placed in jail. That's some bad stuff, isn't it? That's really rough. And then to make matters worse, when he came out of jail, no one would have anything to do with him or help him out. And so he lived for a number of months under a palm tree as a homeless person begging for food. And during this time in his life, things looked like it was finished for him. He'd reached the end of his rope. There was no more hope and things were not going to turn around. His name's Steve, Stephen Lionheart. And the story goes that uh, he was really hungry and there was somebody that was serving food downtown San Diego. Somebody that was serving food from a church that in exchange for food, he came and listened to the word of the Lord. And while the word of the Lord was being presented, God got a hold of his life. 
And he became a part of the South Bay Church, pastored by our, our district superintendent, Brother Art Hodges. He became a part of that church there and began to attend there regularly. But I want to tell you the end of the story is that God had one more good move left for his life. Because today, amen, today, Brother Stephen Lionheart is the head of uh, their homeless ministry that goes down every week and they have a large food bank that homeless people come from all over San Diego and he runs all of this. Stephen Lionheart has a great job, is married to the church's uh, a music director and uh, they're uh, serving the Lord together. I want to tell you that no matter how bad the situation gets, uh, even if part of the badness is a product of your own bad decisions, come on, God always has one more good move because uh, it doesn't matter what addiction tries to pigeonhole you into what despair or depression or bad decisions or, or lifestyle choices that take you far away from where you could be God can turn it all around there is power through the name of Jesus I want to tell you that I'm preaching the truth to you that God can make a difference I love to hear the story of Sister Amy Wong one of the most significant Ladies in the United Pentecostal Church for helping and impacting homeless people in the Los Angeles area. But when she came to Los Angeles, she was kicked off of an airplane because she was in labor with a child. She had been a prostitute and became pregnant with a child. And there while she was in Los Angeles, she had this baby and she was homeless, booted out onto the street, no ability to get back to her homeland in China. She was stuck in the United States, walking, trying to find something for her child. And she lived... Uh, desperately in a desperate situation she tells the story of walking down the street she did not believe in god she did not believe there was a god and she said as she walked down the street with her baby hungry her child hungry and her in need of food she said god if you're real i need you to help me right now i can't trust in anything else now i can't trust in anybody else i need you to help me right now and as she said that her foot, she looked down and she had stepped in the gutter on a $100 bill that was laying in the gutter. And she reached down. That was years ago. And for somebody like that, that was like $1,000. And it was going to take care of her. But she picked it up. And that was one process in the story of the establishment of her faith. She was introduced to the truth through Brother Elm's church. And God filled her with the Holy Ghost and began to use her in a mighty way. Now she owns that big building downtown, the Azusa Lighthouse Mission. She owns a couple homes where she has halfway houses. You know why? Because when the devil says it's finished, it's not finished. When the devil says you've made too many mistakes, come on, you haven't made too many mistakes uh, because there's always a next move and a great next move for the Lord. Hallelujah. Because he's able to do exceeding abundantly. Don't give up on people. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your future. Don't give up on your dreams because God always has one last move. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Samson was a man that God had empowered with great power to bring victory to Israel. Despite his great power and amazing feats and great renown throughout the land of Philistia, he had a weakness. He had a fallibility. Namely, he had a weakness for women. And it was through the conniving of the Philistine woman, Delilah, that the secret of his power, his commitment to the Lord was made known. His hair was cut off. And when the Philistines came, even though in times past he had always been able to defeat the Philistines, which were 
the enemy of God, the enemy of God's people. Today, we don't fight against people, but we fight against spiritual wickedness. And when spiritual wickedness comes in like a flood, we have power through God to rise up against it. Amen? Come on now. Church, I want, I want to remind you how much power you have through prayer. How you can really make the devil nervous. How you can really push back darkness. How you can make the difference in somebody else's life. How you can make a difference in the life of your child through the power of prayer. Even though you may not see evidence of it right now, every time you call upon the name of the Lord in faith, you push back darkness. I said you push back unbelief and darkness and bring light and hope to situations. Come on, somebody. You have power. And Samson had power with God. God had empowered him to push back the forces of evil or the forces of darkness and to defeat them. But because of his fallibility and his weakness, he was made vulnerable. When the Philistines came in, his hair was shaven. He shook himself, anticipating God's victory and power and anointing to flow through him. It didn't happen. He was taken. He was humiliated, no doubt beaten. Ultimately, his eyes plucked out to where he was blinded. And there he was placed like an ox on a wheel to grind out the mill and to be made sport of and to be humiliated and treated like an animal by the people who he had, many of them destroyed family members and friends because of their uh, fighting against God's people. And so there he was. Talk about the end of the road for him. The great Samson, the one that carried off the gates of the cities on his shoulders. The one that slew a multitude of Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. The one who tied the fox's tails together and sent them through to burn up the fields of the Philistines. The one who had won many great battles and victories for Israel and brought hope back to God's people was now grinding at a meal. This not only brought despair to Samson, but no doubt was a source of despair for all of Israel as they looked at their champion there who had been humiliated, who had been defeated, who was grinding at the mill. But there as he ground at the mill, he heard something was going to happen. He was taken, no doubt, with cruel hands, removed from the harness that he was hooked to. They said, you get to go to a party today, Samson. They drug him out, and they brought him. As he got closer, he heard the sounds of reveling and partying, drinking. He heard the sounds in the Philistine tongue of reveling. And as he got closer, he heard his name referenced. He heard people shouting, no doubt, pointing and making fun. He never get used to it, but he was almost jaded to it at this point. But there he was, his past glowering. His future dim. No hope to make a difference in God's kingdom because of the decisions that I've made. And there as they brought him into the house there, he asked the little boys we read in scripture, can you place me between the two main pillars of this building so that I can lean against it? And there where there were thousands in the house, 3,000 on the roof of the house, there for sport and reveling, they were there to rejoice because our God defeated the Hebrew God. Our God helped us take control of this, this uh, uh, Hebrew man who obviously had supernatural powers from God. And we got him under our control now. Now let's worship our false God and revel in the fact that 
Samson is defeated. And there that day, they brought him and they placed him between the pillars. And the story goes that while the mocking and the laughter was going on, something was moving and shaking and stirring within Samson. And God was able to use him one more time. And in Samson's demise, in Samson's death, he took out more of the enemy than he did in all of his life. You know why? You don't make fun of God. Come on now, you don't make fun of God and come out on top because God always has one good move. And you may not understand God's wisdom and His purpose and His plan, but if you as God's people will trust what God is doing, trust what the Lord is doing, hallelujah, then God can, God will, God does have one more good move. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet and praise the Lord together right now. Hallelujah. I wonder if you could help me praise the Lord Jesus right now. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. I want to tell you, all hope is not gone. It's not time to give up. It's not time to quit. God can make the difference. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not time to give up on your marriage. It's not time to give up on your ministry. Hallelujah. It's not time to give up on that anointing. Praise God. It's not time to give up on that miracle. It's not time to give up in your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because God always has one more good move hallelujah Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus hallelujah I was reminded of this story of the chessboard and the painting young man that ministered the word of the Lord this week at camp meeting brother Barker is his name and as he was preaching he said my grandmother and grandfather were great people of God. My grandfather was a great preacher, he said. And he said he went out to pioneer church works, starting churches in cities that didn't have churches, establishing them. And during his early ministry, went and established three different churches in the state of Kansas. Churches that are still in existence today. And then he also pastored here in Los Angeles area over in Azusa. But 30 years ago, something happened in the life of he and his wife. Brother Barker didn't give the details. Just simply said they backslid. These mighty people of God who had been used of God and had God's favor and blessing on their life. Turned away from God and backslid. Brother Barker went on to tell us that he remembers just a few months ago church was getting ready to start and his grandmother hadn't been to church in years. Comes walking through the doors of the church. And that night the Lord filled her all over again with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Next week, Grandpa 
the old gospel preacher who was backslidden and far from God came back to church. God filled them both with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they're serving God today. Because God always has one good more, one more good move. Don't give up on them. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on God's purpose for your life. Because what the enemy meant for evil, God meant it for good. And God can turn it around. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, Jesus is with us. Jesus, you're with me, Lord God. Hallelujah. 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 In just a moment, I'm going to open this altar and invite you to come forward and let God restore faith in your spirit. Receive the word of the Lord. Let it be applied to your life. Let the word of encouragement from God bring faith and hope into your spirit. There's somebody here today and you don't know that you have the Lord Jesus Christ in the boat with you. I'm going to tell you it's very easy. All that you have to do is say, is come to Him. Come to the Lord and say, in your own words, I'm, nobody's going to give you a, a prayer to pray. In your own words, just voice to the Lord that you believe in Him, that you believe He's the Son of God and you believe that you, He can make a difference in your life. When you voice those words of faith together with that, say, Lord, I want you in my life. And anything that I've done to break your law or to defy your control and to defy your godliness in my life lord jesus i pray that you'd forgive me because i want your spirit to be with me i want you to be my comforter i want you to go with me every step of the way and i'm here to tell you that if you will take that step of faith of, of asking the Lord to receive you and say God I believe that you're working with me I believe you're dealing with my heart right now I feel you calling me right now that the spirit of the Lord will come upon you you'll begin to feel the presence of the Lord that God will make a difference in your life hallelujah so if you're in any of those categories that you want your trust to put, put in Jesus and you want to let him know that you believe in him or if you need God to come in be a part of your life in your situation I want you to come forward right now as we begin to pray as we begin to call upon the lord as we begin to sing right now hallelujah come on these altars are open right now Thank you, Jesus. Come on, that's it. Let's move forward right now. Hallelujah. Come on, saints of God. Hallelujah. 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 What God started, He will finish. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you, but He will be with you all the way to the end. I want you to reaffirm your faith in Jesus Christ right now. Hallelujah. Declare it that He is the Lord, that He is God. Hallelujah. Come on, that's Hallelujah. I know that I can't stand No matter what's become my way My life is in your hands With Jesus I can take it With Him I know I can't stand No matter what's become my way My life is in your hands Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Believe the Lord right now. You don't have to worry. No, you don't. And I'll 
to be a friend. Joy comes in the morning. Troubles they don't last always. For there's a friend in Jesus who will wipe your tears away. And if your heart is broken, just lift your hands and say, Oh, I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is Come on, your faith is worth fighting for. Jesus, I believe you. Jesus, I trust you, Lord. I know that you won't leave me, Lord God, and you won't forsake me, Jesus. Hallelujah. I know my life is in your hands, Jesus. My family is in your hands, Lord God. My marriage is in your hands, Lord Jesus. They seem to get you And all your friends and loved ones, they all know what to be about. Remember there's a friend named Jesus who will wipe your tears away. Hallelujah, Jesus, I believe you. Come on, that's it. Cry out to the Lord. Jesus, oh, I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand. No matter what may come my way, Lord, my life is in your head. With Jesus, I can. Hallelujah, come on, that's it. Cry out to the Lord. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is moving to encourage right now. Hallelujah. Believe in the Lord. Believe in the Lord, Jesus. Jesus, I put my trust in you, Lord. Yes, Lord. I know that I can stand. No matter what may come my way. Hallelujah. Jesus. Come on, it's not time to give up on the Lord. It's not time to give up on Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, that you're a God of second chances. You're a God of second chances, Lord. Thank you. Just lift your hands and say, Oh, I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. Hallelujah. Jesus, I can take it. Thank you, Jesus. I know I can stand. No No 
don't have to worry and don't you be Hallelujah. That's it. Pray for somebody. Encourage them right now. Come on, speak a word of encouragement through the Holy Spirit to somebody. Hallelujah. Lord, I believe your word, dear God. Hallelujah, Lord. And if your heart is broken, just lift your hands and say, Oh, I know that I. With Jesus I can't take it With him I know I can't stand No matter what may come my way My life is in your hand So when your tests and trials They seem to get you down And all your friends and loved ones They are nowhere to be found Just remember there's a friend named Jesus Who will wipe your tears away And if your heart is broken Just lift your hands and say Oh, I know that I can make it I know that I can stand I can't take it With him I know I can't stand No matter what may come my way My life is in your hands Oh, I know that I can't take it I know that I can't stand No matter what may come my way My life is in That's it. Body of Christ, minister to one another. Hallelujah. Amen. That's it. No matter what may come my way. 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 Said no matter what may come my way. Lord, my life is in your hands. Wherever you are, 
praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Words of encouragement. those that are praying to continue praying as spirit spirit of the lord is ministering here today amen those of you that need to go we're dismissed in the name of the lord jesus god bless you good to see each of you let the lord go with you be encouraged by the holy spirit god bless you
Thank you. 